I just had a very powerful morning packed with lessons, and I wanted to come on here and freestyle the story so that I could share this while it was still fresh. So I woke up at five in the morning. I came downstairs. Everybody else was still sleeping. And I really love this time to myself. Also, it's worth noting that this morning I was able to resist looking at my cell phone when I woke up. And I think this is very significant to the experience that I had. And the reason for that is that my field wasn't interrupted by all of the noise that comes with even a three-minute session on your cell phone. So my shit was clear. And I'm downstairs, and I'm just taking my time, watching the colors as the sunrise is starting to approach. I love the mornings. And today is my dad's last day of school. So it's his last day of work. And I said, man, I want to make this dude breakfast today. I want him to come downstairs. I want the coffee to be ready. I want his special little oatmeal bowl to be prepared, full of love, just waiting for him. That's what I want to give to him. So I start working on that. And there's this candle on the counter that I bought a few days ago. And I saw the candle and I started to reflect on lighting one up for the darkness. So for those of you who may not be familiar, I've been doing the Techno Tuesday show for three years now. And for a long phase there, I did this segment called Light One Up for the Darkness. And the idea was that in our darkest moments, there is still light. And these are the moments that grow us the most. And it was also an opportunity to take a break in the fun games of Techno Tuesday and take a moment and reach out to anyone who is going through a tough time, whatever that may be, and to recommend a song to them and to invite them, essentially, to let go of it for the next two minutes and just allow yourself to be. Now, the reason we're talking about this right now is that in the last year, I haven't exactly been in the most emotionally stable state. Something's been off with me and I've known it, I felt it. And during this time of perceived offness, I wasn't lighting one up for the darkness. And this was hitting me this morning, and I realized so many levels about it. I mean, one level is, you know, you need to take care of yourself before you can take care of everyone else. And since I was down, I didn't really have the energy to light one up for the darkness for everyone else. Another layer was recognizing that maybe I didn't light one up for the darkness for me during this time and that's okay but that's where I was and then the third piece of it was that oh shit I'm starting to open up again and I'm ready to get back into that space 
of lighting it up for the darkness because ultimately that's what this is all about the dark shit so that happened and I was like whoa it feels good that I feel like I'm coming back to this powerful state where I can address this stuff and and be supportive to others so it felt good to be coming back to that Fast forward a little bit, the oatmeal is almost ready, and I am preparing the shit out of this oatmeal. Got oatmeal, chia seeds, blueberries, a banana that I put in the freezer for like two minutes so it had a little bit of a cooling factor with the hot oatmeal. I mean, I went in on this shit. Chopped up the strawberries real nice, had pine nuts, cranberries, walnuts, and when I prepared the oatmeal, I was very meticulous in where I put the bananas. I mean, this shit looked like an Instagram post. I created a beautiful oatmeal bowl for my father. And you know what came up? Cook for yourself like you love yourself. Now, I've been talking about this for years, and I haven't talked about it in a while. Probably because I've been blocked up. But the cook for yourself like you love yourself concept is a way to recognize self-love and the point is I love my dad and I made him this oatmeal bowl with so much love it looks so beautiful and I've never created an oatmeal bowl for myself that way so again it was a another moment to notice oh wow You're putting so much love and patience into this. However, when you make an oatmeal bowl for yourself, you kind of just dump the bananas in there and chop up some strawberries and put it in there. So this is amazing. It, It felt, oh my God, this hummingbird just flew up. I don't know if that's a hummingbird. Maybe I'm talking out of my ass. It's not, but tiny little bird. Oh, what a beauty. Um, yeah, I kind of recognize, wow, I can be cooking for myself like I love myself. And and this morning brought that to me, so I was grateful. Now it's about like 5.45, and I hear Dad waking up. So he's coming downstairs. I got his meal and his coffee ready. As he reaches the family room, which looks into this beautiful backyard that you're seeing here, Uh, I hand him a coffee, and he's just ecstatic about it. He's loving this. And I say, man, I hope you're hungry. And he says, I went to sleep hungry. (laughs) I love this guy. Um, So I gave him this oatmeal bowl that I prepared, and it melted his heart. And it felt so nice to give that gift. I mean, as I get older, giving gifts is more touching and fulfilling than receiving gifts most of the time so dad's enjoying his oatmeal i pull out the yoga mat and i start stretching and we're just having like a casual conversation and for whatever reason i don't remember how we got there but i started asking him about his car so he has a toyota camry that is pretty old now And I was asking him, Dad, when you used to commute to work near New York every day, were you driving 
the Camry? I don't think so. It must have been a different car. And he explained to me, no, that was a different car. And I said, when did you get the Camry? And he said that, I'll, I'll say it from, from his perspective. So what he said was that when your mother was termini- terminally ill and she knew she wasn't going to live much longer, she had this money she was saving for a final trip to Croatia, which is where she's from, where her family's from. And she decided that the money would be better spent on buying my dad a new car because she wasn't going to be able to take that trip to Croatia. And when he said this, Oh, man, I just, the tears were just like pouring down my face. And if you've been following my story, I love crying and I haven't been crying lately because I've kind of felt blocked up, I guess. So, so many things came up for me when, when he shared this with me. And I'm just going to freestyle here, so I don't even know if this is going to make sense, but let's just flow with it. So the first thing that came up to me was that that feeling of the weight of reality and how three days after Christmas in 2008, my mother sat me down and essentially told me, I'm going to die in the next two or three months. There's no medicine that can stop this. It's time, and I'm okay with it, but I'm, I'm going to die soon. And in that moment, that was the heaviest life has ever felt, and it couldn't have possibly gotten heavier, is what I thought. And then two weeks later, I come home, and... The hospice nurses are at my house. And if you're not familiar, hospice nurses are essentially a crew that helps people and their families pass to the other side. So when I came home that day and I saw the hospice nurses, I thought I was at rock bottom and I went lower. And that's kind of the feeling you get when I imagine your wife (laughs) gives you the money that she was saving for a trip, one final trip to Croatia and says, nah, we're not going to make it out there. Why don't you go get a car and take care of the family? I mean, fuck. Hell. (laughs) It's heavy. And it also reminded me of my story of cars with my mom. It feels good to be able to open up to this, all right? So, 
in that winter of 2018 to 2019, my mom was essentially on her deathbed. She couldn't even walk anymore. And she was slowly dying in her bed. Or quickly dying. I guess it depends how you look at it. But the point right now is that there reached a point where mom was really, really sick where mom and dad made the decision to give mom's car to me. So essentially the idea was mom can't use this car anymore, so it's your car now. And from where I'm sitting, I'm getting a huge car upgrade, but it's coming at the cost of my mother's existence. And I don't want my mom's fucking car. I want my mom. But as this whole experience taught me, life isn't always about what you want. So, this is in 2019. I now have been given my mom's car, which is a gold Toyota Camry. And I was driving around one day, And at this time, life was dark. I felt like there was a huge cloud around me at all times. My life was crumbling. And I'll never forget, I'm driving around my town, and there's a particular road called Magnolia. It's this beautiful road in our neighborhood that's a quite significant connector road. I really like this road. And on this particular day, there was snow on the ground and some ice and stuff like that. So I'm driving on Magnolia, and I'm coming up to the stop sign. I must have been going 10 miles per hour, which is like 7 kilometers per hour, I think, something like that. The point is, in driving terms, it's not that fast. But when you hit the brakes and slide on a patch of ice, it's extremely fast. So that's what happened. I hit the brakes. There's ice that I couldn't see. I start sliding. It feels like slow motion, and it's just too symbolic of my life at this time because I'm completely out of control. I'm so panicked then I'm not even panicked anymore. I'm just here. There's no control anymore. I surrender. And as we're coming to the curb, I kind of brace myself and boom! Smash into the curb. And not only was this a curb, but it was like the metal grate where the sewers are. So I think this material is even harder. When the car hit the curb, oh, man, it was bad. Like, I don't know shit about cars, but I knew that this was worse than a flat tire. There was shit, like, crunching and cranking together. And it was too symbolic of my life at the time. Just out of control. My life felt like it was just coming to a complete crash. But I was going to be okay. 
didn't think about that part until now. So, what I don't, what happened was, I crashed the car, I'm sitting there on the side of the road, and I'm just thinking, God damn it, can life get any worse? And I'm really tapping into my victim card at this point. And more than anything, I felt shame that I wasn't patient, and now I need to go home where the focus is on my mother in her bedroom, and we want as much peace and tranquility and love in the house as possible, and then I got to come home and be like, hey, I crashed the car and it won't even move, it's over near Magnolia. For some reason, my GoPro shuts off after 15 minutes, so I need, it was a little bit of a flow breaker, but whatever, we put it all in here. So I felt a lot of, I felt bad that I was going to go home with this negative energy about the car thing. I don't remember the details of what happened with going home, and that's not really important right now. Let's come back to now, to today. So I'm having this memory about crashing the car and all that, after dad told me the story about how he got his car and now dad's getting ready for work and I say yo I am fired up right now I'm gonna go for a run which I haven't been doing lately because I've been kind of blocked up so everything's opening up right and I go get my shit ready I put on the I just got back from the run right now that we're recording and I put on Avem Strum. I'll put a link to that track in the description. I love this song. And I walk out my door, and I'm like, holy shit, I got energy. Let's fucking go. Send it. I start running. Not even, like, slow jogging. Like, I have pace today, and this is amazing. So I'm aimlessly running. I don't know where I'm going. Let's just go with the flow. And after about 12 minutes, what do you know? Where do I end up? None other than Magnolia, the very road and site of this accident that I was reflecting on. And as I get to Magnolia, I'm like, yo, let's go visit the curb, the site of the accident, and sort of close the chapter on this. And as I get to the intersection where the accident happened, I'm making my way to the curb to the sewer where the metal grate is, and there's a motherfucking garbage can blocking the sewer. And I just start dying laughing and I don't know if this is going to make sense to anyone out there but it hit me it's such a beautiful universe moment and the symbolism that keeps occurring to me at this intersection good lord but for me it represented that I've been blocking my repressed emotions and scary memories with 
garbage. For the last four or five months, I've been smoking weed and going to 7-Eleven and eating processed protein bars and ice cream, just garbage to sort of comfort and numb those emotions that have been coming up. So now I'm ready to make peace with this metal curb where I crashed my car and there's a garbage can seemingly blocking it. I love it so much. I love it so much. This was amazing. And a further kind of layer to me was, who gives a fuck about the garbage can? It doesn't matter. And in fact, all of this is just a story in my head that I'm giving power to. I'm starting to recognize that more and more. It's the mind, and there's real emotions correlated with this curb and the accident and all these stories, but they're just stories in my head that I'm giving energy to. So the garbage can was kind of a way for me to laugh it off and say, it doesn't even matter. I'm loving life right now. So I continue up the road, and at this point, Patterns, the song Patterns by Colin is playing. And I love this song. (laughs) I'll post the link in the description. So I'm on this side road to Magnolia, and mind you, during this time, my dad is probably getting ready for work and driving to work. And the way that he drives to work will be going past where I am right now. So I dip onto the side road, and I'm just like processing everything. So much is coming up for me, and exercise is also seeming to be a way that helps get things flowing, get the energy moving. Emotion is energy in motion, isn't it? Anyway, emotions are coming up, and I had this memory of seeing the sun is hitting this one blade of grass that has a drop of water on it and it's shining so brightly in my face right now that I couldn't not give it some attention. We'll come back to the story now. I was having this memory in which my mom was on her last days and she asked me to make sure that dad was okay. And she said, Lee, you're going to have difficulty and you got to put yourself first. But do your best to take care of dad too because (laughs) he's going to be hurt when I go. And mom wasn't crying when she said this. Mom was a fucking warrior. She was fighting cancer for seven years. She was ready to go. She was seeing things clearly. But the point is, I was having this memory of mom asking me to take care of dad. And I start crying. (laughs) And 
as I'm crying in this moment, my dad drives by in this very same car that was purchased with my mother's final trip to Croatia fund. <laughs> I'm just like, yo. Ah, the synchronicities. <laughs> when you open up to life and you don't bury yourself in your motherfucking cell phone and you allow things, allowance to come. You don't grab, you don't reach, you allow. And the universe just gives you magic like I experienced on this morning. So beautiful. There's nothing more to say. I just wanted to come on here and share this energy with you. (sighs) Thank you for receiving me. Uh, There's something special about having an audience, if you will. It really allows me to process and heal on a deeper level when I can share this with someone out there. And also to think that all of the pain and tears and hard times, to be able to sort of alchemize that into potentially connecting with someone out there and maybe even helping someone feel like they're not alone... To me, this is the most beautiful gift in the world. And I'm not able to give that if you're not there to receive. So thank you for receiving my send. I love you. Cook for yourself like you love yourself. (laughs) Take care. Wow.